Welcome to the Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus. Our world is full of incomplete solutions, leaving people searching for more. God's only solution for all mankind, for all time, is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Grow in relationship with God, your Heavenly Father, because your purpose is far greater than the day-to-day circumstances of life. Let's join Greg for the Solution Radio Show as he shares from God's Word with us today. Last week, we looked at a new beginning with God. Specifically, we saw that no matter where you are today in your life, God is with you. Maybe you think you've been a disappointment to yourself or a disappointment to others. Well, let me tell you, God is not disappointed in you. He loves you. He gave his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, for you. Sometimes we have performance-based issues wondering if we've done enough for God. Well, God is not looking for you to perform. He, first of all, wants your heart. He wants and desires your love. He desires that he be your desire. You know, is God our just once a week for an hour activity on a Sunday at church? Or is our time with God a moment by moment, breath by breath, intimate relationship? In the course of my life, it's been both. I've no doubt that you've seen the same in yours. God's desire is that he is always living and real to you in your everyday life, no matter how mundane the circumstance. When your heart is set on God and you recognize that his love for you knows no limits, then we are able to rest in his love. When we rest in his love, we are in tune with the voice of our Heavenly Father. He is a personal, intimate God. He's your Father. He desires for you to know his love and his will for your life. We have a wonderful example in our Lord Jesus Christ. He was always intimately connected to his Heavenly Father. If you have your Bible handy and you'd like to follow along, uh, we'll read some verses here. First will be in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 30. And for this verse, I'd like to look at the Amplified Bible. It says here, Jesus Christ speaking, I can do nothing on my own initiative or authority. Just as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is fair, righteous, or unbiased, because I do not seek my own will, but only the will of him who sent me. Jesus Christ stated that he did not seek his own will, but rather he sought the will of his Father who had sent him. I believe that right there we see a a key, a tremendous key aspect of an intimate relationship with God as our Father. Jesus Christ craved, he deeply desired to know the will of his Father. God honored his desire. The Father made himself known unto his only begotten Son, and then Jesus took it a step further. He was obedient. That's the step further. He was obedient to God's will in every situation. He didn't just slough it off. He didn't think that he had a better way or that his Father's will was just one way of many possibilities. He spoke and he acted as directed by his Father. If we look at the Gospel of John, chapter 17, let's read here verses 1 through 4. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
verse 4, I, Jesus Christ, have glorified you, the Father, on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Tremendous truth. Jesus Christ finished the work that his Father gave him to do. His work was not just activity for the sake of doing something. His work was the work that his Father directed him to do. He did what God wanted accomplished. His work glorified the Father on earth, and his work was a complete work, so complete that it redeemed all mankind for all time and made available eternal life. Continuing still in the Gospel of John, let's look at chapter 17, verses 25 and 26. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared unto them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus Christ, he intimately knew the Father. His relationship with God was rich, and it was full of joy. Jesus declared he made known the heart of his Father to his apostles and disciples. Really, to know God, look at the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus had a connection, a tight communication with the all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing creator of the heavens and the earth, God our Father. In Philippians chapter 2, we continue to see the example of our Lord Jesus Christ in his relationship with his heavenly Father, in his obedience to do his will. All that Jesus Christ did while here on earth was at his Father's direction. It was not religion. It was not an activity for activity's sake. It was activity that proceeded from relationship. There's tremendous application for each of us here and. Philippians 2, we'll see some of that. Let's start here in verse 5. Verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here in verse 5, we're we're told to have the mind of Christ. What type of thinking did our Lord have? What type of thoughts did he think while here on earth? And what does he think today at God the Father's right hand? He thinks God's word. He knows who he is as God's only begotten son. He knows the authority that has been given to him. He knows his identity. He knew and he knows his purpose. Wow, wouldn't it be something for us to think as he thinks, to have the thoughts that he has? It's available. We can do it by putting on the mind of Christ, by thinking God's word, by believing God's word. Here, let's continue In verse 6, where we see some of the details of that thinking. In verse 6, it says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Here in verse 6, this word equal means that he agreed with God. Being in the form of God, well, what is that form? God is spirit. Jesus Christ, in his earthly ministry, was filled with all the fullness of God. He had all that was available spiritually. Today, seated at his, right, at his Father's right hand, he has the new spiritual body and all the authority that goes with his exalted position at God's right hand. To think it not robbery is that he didn't use his position as God's only begotten son for his own personal gain. We too are God's sons if we have believed that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and have confessed him, Jesus, as Lord 
of our life. And that's what it states in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. We're not to use our position as a son of God for our own personal gain. Rather, we serve God. We serve others as our Lord did. We can have a relationship with God just as Jesus Christ did when he walked here upon the earth. Let's look at Colossians here, chapter 1. We're going to read a verse here in chapter 1 and a couple verses in chapter 2. And these are just remarkable because, once again, these verses show us a little bit of what Jesus Christ had and also what we now have today. Here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in Christ should all fullness dwell. It pleased God that in Christ should all fullness dwell. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. You are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Oh, that's just so, oh gosh, I could never come up with that on my own, neither could you. It could only be possible because God made it available because of his tremendous love, grace, and mercy. The fullness of God dwelt in Christ, and continuing there too in Colossians 1, I think it's down in verse 27, where it says that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then here in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says that you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Jesus Christ had all that was available from his heavenly Father. You and I have all that is available from our heavenly Father. The devil cowers, thinking that just possibly the sons of God, you and I, might sometime realize who we really are and what we really have in Christ. What power! <laughs> What, what privilege, what responsibility because of God's love, grace, and mercy. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 2. I think we left off in verse 6. Let's read verse 7. But made himself, Jesus Christ, made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, verse 8, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ was a servant. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the direction of his Father all the way to death on the cross. That's our example. That's how we're to live today. We are to be humble, obedient, and serve. And when it comes to humility, humility is not weakness. We're to be humble to God. And we're humble to God when we hear him, when we're obedient to his direction, and we serve as he would call us to serve. It's available to live a life like that, but it's only available when it comes out of relationship with God as your heavenly father. If we try to live like that out of religious activity, not based on relationship, well, we'll be unjoyful, miserable, and a failure, even if the work gets done. Well, let's take a short break. If you have time, please visit thesolutionradioshow.com and we'll come back to Philippians where we left off after this short break. 
This is the Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus, exploring God's solution for all mankind, for all time, Jesus Christ. We saw there before the break that Jesus Christ was a servant, and he was a servant of the highest level because he humbled himself. And in that humility towards his father, he became obedient all the way to the death on the cross. That's our example. That's your example. That's how we're to live. We're to be humble, obedient, and serve. And it is available to live a life like that when it comes out of relationship. Not out of activity, but out of relationship. Activity for activity's sake results in unjoyfulness, being miserable, and really resulting in a failure. Even if the work gets done outside of relationship, it becomes a burden with no genuine fruit. Continuing still here in Philippians, let's look at what the Father did for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God highly exalted the Lord Jesus Christ to his right hand in the heavenlies. And he has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall absolutely bow. Today in this world, some scoff at the name of Jesus Christ. Some have even set rules and laws prohibiting the name of Jesus even being spoken. How foolish. They can only do this because today is the age of God's grace and mercy, and it's man's day of rulership. There's a day coming where all the scoffers, all those that idly dismiss the name of Jesus, they're going to bow before his presence. The unbelievers will tremble, and they will tremble at the name of Jesus. They will be shook to the very core of their being when that name is spoken, because Jesus Christ is the most powerful name in the world today. Today, we can use the name of Jesus Christ to bring deliverance in situations, to bring healing, to make our requests, our prayers known unto God in that name. In our relationship with God as our Father, we have the right and the privilege to use the most powerful name in all the world, Jesus Christ. And when we do, let's expect to see signs, miracles, and wonders. There's no other name given among men whereby men must be saved. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. It's not Buddha, it's not Muhammad, it's not uh, Krishna, it's not you name it, whatever you want to fill in the blank with. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He told the truth. He didn't lie. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through him. What an awesome privilege you and I have today to know the Lord and to have access to the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Let's continue on here. Uh, verse 12, this is still in Philippians chapter 2. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out or demonstrate your own salvation or wholeness with respect and obedience. How might we do that? How might we demonstrate the wholeness that we have received in Christ with respect and obedience? The next couple of verses tell us 
Verse 13, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, I know I've read that verse many times over the weeks here on the Solution Radio Show because that verse, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. When you believe that verse, oh my, does your life take on a dramatic influence no matter where you are. Because it's God by way of his spirit inside of you that energizes his desire for you to do as he directs. God directs the heart. You talk about a reason to live. You talk about purpose. You talk about a reason to to get out of bed every day excited. God works within you, his desire and his will, so that you might do his good pleasure. What might his good pleasure entail? What might it involve? How about love the unlovable, serve in humility, preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils? The specifics of each of those will be different for each of us. But it will be God's will, and it will be as he directs. I so rejoice that we can serve the one true living God. What a remarkable privilege it is to be alive in this day and time, to have the Spirit of God, to be a Son of God, to know the Father, to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, uh, where God has prepared for us good works, and those good works are the works as he works within to will and to do of his good pleasure. Well, let's continue back here in Philippians 2, verse 14. It says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. What things? The things that God has worked within your heart for you to do for him. Don't, don't grumble about it. Don't argue with God. Just do it. That which he works within you will never contradict his written word, the Bible, and it will never be harmful to you. There's great reward in obedience to the one true God, not only now, but literally throughout all eternity. Continuing in verse 15, it says here, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. In this very, very dark world that we live in today, we shine as lights as we hold forth that word of life. We're to hold forth that word of life both by living the word of truth, by living love, and then by being obedient to the direction of the Spirit that the Father works within your heart, and by speaking the words of truth. All of this and its greatness is found in a relationship with God as your Heavenly Father. Just having activity and duty out of a misguided compulsion and direction, well, it will never result in the fullness of joy that's found in fellowship with we obedience to God. You know, how do we cultivate a relationship like that where we're able to recognize God's still small voice? 
because he desires for you to hear his still small voice. I'll give us three different keys here. Uh, Number one, read his word, the Bible. That's a great way to learn God's voice because his word, the Bible, is his voice. And when we read the word of God, let's primarily concentrate on the seven church epistles, Romans through Thessalonians. Old Testament's wonderful. Gospels are wonderful. We see and learn tremendous truth from that part of the scriptures on how God worked with his people, how God brought great deliverance, how God took care of his people, and how his people could trust him. But Romans through Thessalonians is addressed directly to you and I. When we read it, we're not reading it just to get through it and, you know, for quantity's sake. No, we read with expectation that God will show us tremendous gems of truth, that he will illuminate our hearts to know him. And as you read his word, talk to him about what you're reading. Meditate on that word. Let it marinate. Let your mind marinate in that word of God. And I think of Ephesians chapter 1, verse, uh, what is it? I think it is verse 17, where it says, uh, it's a prayer that can be prayed, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your heart or the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. It's available to go to the Father and say, Father, as I read your word today, would you open the eyes of my heart, my understanding, that I might see the great depth, the great truth that you have contained in these scriptures and how they pertain to my life and how I might be able to to live this out practically as I walk and talk with you? You won't be disappointed. God will work within your heart. He will show you how valuable you are, not only to him, but to the world and to the sphere of influence within which you have an influence. So number one, read his word, the Bible. Number two, throughout the day, just talk to God. Just talk to him. I talk to him all the time while in my car when I'm driving, usually out loud, and probably the people pulling up next to me think I'm a little goofy, but that's okay. But then also don't do all the talking. Have a peaceful heart, ready to receive his answer, his direction. There's a couple things that we can do. And pray in the Spirit. Do that much in your private prayer life. Now, I know that there's some that are going to say that I just turned relationship into a a three-step formula. Well, no, I did not. What's the heart? What's the motivation behind reading God's Word, talking to God, and praying in the Spirit? If it's a heart of love and a humble desire to know your Heavenly Father, then there will be genuine fruit in your life. You will have a relationship with the Creator of the heavens and the earth. If the motivation is just to fulfill a duty or to look holy in the eyes of others, well, then it's a waste of time. Jesus Christ, He read and knew the Scriptures. How great is our desire to know Him. Your new beginning, which can begin today, is found in relationship with the one true God, your heavenly Father. God bless you. The Solution Radio Show archives are available at thesolutionradioshow.com, along with resources to encourage and help you in your walk with God. The Solution Radio Show is supported by listeners like you. Make a donation today to join in sustaining God's work at thesolutionradioshow.com. You've been listening to The Solution Radio Show with Greg Backus, and we thank you for joining us today. God bless you. You are God's very best.